blowing it up now. At least it's better late than never. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Lockdown Flames. As always, I am your host, Jess Belmosto, and I am joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zararis. Nick, how are you today? Hot like everybody else. And we're going to talk about maybe turning up the heat in Calgary uh, with blowing things up. And, you know, it, it's time, and like I said, it's better late than never, but... Make sure that you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts because we are here for you every single day and it's a great place to be and who wouldn't want to just listen to off-season content. What what are the Flames doing? Uh, they are letting the players dictate too much of what they want to do. Uh, they, From what we understand, the offer's there. They've made a more than generous offer to Elias Lindholm, and I think that's really kind of the holdup. We, only a handful of players, I think 23 in the entire league, filed for arbitration. So only certain teams are eligible for that second buyout window that comes up in August, where yeah, you have to be earning more than $4 million to be eligible for that second window. So we're really kind of at a weird in-between. Because we know there are chips out there. We know the Flames have a handful. We know Eric Carlson's name is out there. We know Anthony Duclair's name is out there. There are a handful of pieces with a number of teams that are out there. But from I, I struggle with understanding with what the holdup is. Because I understand that these guys, you know, it's summer. They don't really want to do anything. But at the same time, wouldn't you rather get it over with now and then just have your entire summer to worry about the future as opposed to, messing around at your cabin, sitting on the lake on a boat, and being like, wow, I wonder if I'm going to get that call today. Because that's kind of what it feels like is going on right now. Yeah, and you know, I understand that these these things take time, but it, it is July 6th. There, enough time has passed, and you know, this is a very big thing to consider, and you know, I, I'm pretty sure um, there was an offer for Backland, too, if yes. I remember correctly. So, Again, what is the holdup? We know that Noah Hannafin wants to leave. Dan Vladar is going to have to get traded because the Wranglers just signed another goalie and it just makes sense for him to be the goalie that's on his way out. And Elias Lindholm, I love you and I think you're great, but can you just have your agent call Craig Conroy if you don't want to do it yourself? I don't like making my own doctor appointments. I'd have my mom do it if I could. This is like the same thing. It's curious because you do kind of wonder what the holdup is. Because to me, I I know I had read a few weeks ago, Elliot Friedman had said that, well, Lindholm kind of wants to see how next season plays out before he makes a decision. But the Flames have to do what's best for them too. I mean, you can take your player into account and be like, hey, is there anywhere you definitely don't want to go? Because we can try and help you get to a better landing spot. But Elias Lindholm is not the tier of player where you reorganize your entire team around them. 
that there are a handful of those guys. There's about 20, 30 guys in the entire league where if one of those guys is the the holdup and wants to see how your season plays out, okay. That if you are talking about a truly elite player who makes everybody around him better, who's still in the prime or soon to be in their prime, you make that co- you make that sacrifice. You put the player's well-being and happiness above your teams because they're that good. You give them a little bit more money. You give them that seventh or eighth year if they're a UFA or RFA. You do everything you can. Elias Lindholm is a good player. On a Stanley Cup winning team, he's probably a second line center. Yes, I I would have to agree. And if I remember correctly, that's where he started with the Flames. Um, He was in between, I think, uh, second and third line, which makes sense because Monaghan and Backland were playing uh, higher end hockey at the time. So we are a very, like, player-friendly podcast in terms of of wanting them to take every opportunity that they can. and But Craig Conroy has to put his foot down at some point and be like, Exactly. You you make your decision by today or we're going to start taking these calls a little bit more serious. That's the thing you got to wonder. Are they trying, are these guys, these, these agents trying to leverage the fact that this is a new general manager who's kind of desperate, who, who knows that he already said, and that's something I think that was a mistake was when he first got the job, he announced, Hey, if guys, yeah, he made the Johnny comparison where if guys want to go, we're not going to wait and see what happens. We're going to be proactive and get something for you. And that was honestly a mistake because you ceded some leverage to those guys where Lindholm's agent, Backlund's agent, Hannafin's agent. Okay, trade me now. And that that yeah. simplifies it. And it's not as simple as that. And there are landing spots for all these guys. There are not a ton of teams with cap space to take on all of them right away. I, I was reading something earlier about Debrinket, and he makes a lot more money than these guys. But most teams right now have in the ballpark of five, six million. You could get you most teams who have the flexibility could take on Lindholm for just this year, Hannafin mm-hmm. for just this year. But you wouldn't do that if you're going to trade for Hannafin or Lindholm. You would want to do it on the the, uh, the precondition of an extension agreed to already. You would want that to be able to give them that extra year, whether you trade for them and then sign the extension or they sign the extension with the Flames and then they get traded, whatever. You want to do everything you can to maximize your return, and that will help you get more in return is if you trade them with a full extension versus mm-hmm. just as a rental. And it doesn't benefit. And this is the first point, and we've been kind of meandering here, but mediocrity is bad. Elias Lindholm is not the difference between the Flames being what they are and a Stanley Cup contender. He's a solid player. He's a good player. I I wish there was a way that it made sense for the Flames to keep him, but we're talking about somebody who's who's 28 years old now. His birthday was recently. He's 28. So best case, you lock him up for eight years at the eight and a half, nine million, like the Bo Horvat type number. You're getting his 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36 seasons. Then more than likely, you will not be a Stanley Cup contender, at least till his age 31 or 32 season. So you're you're giving you're spending for his last three years of his prime, and then you're getting his decline. And his prime not lining up with your window to be a competitive team, it, it, it's it does not make sense. And it's why. You, it's better off to take your medicine the sooner you can, whether it's getting rid of bad contracts and eating the dead money, whether it's 
trading off expiring assets to make your team a lower quality so that it's harder for them to win games because nobody in the NHL is actively tanking. They're just assembling the worst roster they possibly can to facilitate tanking. So that's really the difference here. The flames are not ever going to be bad enough where they're going to be a top five team in the lottery, just because, you know, Kuberto, Kadri, you've got Blake Coleman, you've got Manjapani, Weger, Anderson. If Jacob Markstrom bounces back to being, average that's a solid nucleus and then you can kind of fill in the parts around them they've got Peltier and um Coronado on the way so like they won't be atrocious but it's better to be closer to eight or seven in the draft than it is to be 16th or 17th and unfortunately that's kind of where the flames are at right now great make the playoffs get your three games of revenue but like don't you want to like build a good team yeah, seriously. It's like when your friend is just kind of in like, it doesn't have to be like a bad relationship, but one where you know like they're not committed long term and you're just like, don't you want something more? You want someone to just actually want to be with you and commit? That's what the Flames need to do. And blowing it up now is... It's, it's a little late for that, but... It is. It is, frankly. And I understand why they didn't do it. Because everybody was kind of... Brad was going into his last year. So he was able to do the Magic Johnson, well, I'm not going to be here. It's not my problem. Which is effectively what happened. And Daryl said, well, they're not going to fire me in season. So whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And then the guys on the team were left with the debris of that to play through. And nothing eventful happened this year in a good way. Yeah. And we're just going to have to keep... Uh, thinking positively because that's going to be the only thing that holds us uh, through till October until anything happens. So we are going to take a quick break here and come back and talking about being proactive instead of reactive because that gets you ahead of situations like this. But before we do that, I'm going to talk to you about our friends at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That is $200. You can spend betting everything from money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And you can uh, cash out instantly when you win. Fantastic. So, there's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. All you have to do today to sign up is fan- go to fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That is fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us as we roll through the offseason here on Locked on Flames. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, on YouTube as well. I remember when I started covering this team back in 2020. My only, the, one of the only things I really knew about the Flames was Gaudreau was going to be traded. That, that's the only thing. What, what didn't happen? Gaudreau didn't get traded. 
and this is where we get into this the idea of the what's good for the team and then you have to start balancing out well what's good for the team right now versus what's good for the team next year and that risk assessment you know when you're looking at a graph and you know as the axis go it your line goes in a certain direction at what point does the risk become too great that you kind of have to forsake the present because that's the thing a lot of these gms do not have the guts to do frankly and i understand there's the scene, and I always quote this, but there's the scene in um, Moneyball where Art Howe is explaining to Billy Bean, well, I have to interview next year for jobs, and I have to do things that are justifiable. You might think this is going to work, and when you explain it to me, I understand what you're saying, but you are making decisions for me and changing the way I do my job, and that makes it harder for me to explain to other people what I was trying to do. So that's really what it comes down to here. You can say, I can say, well, the Flames should trade all of these expiring contracts, get RFAs and draft picks, and worry about it later. It's very easy for me to say that because I am not beholden to Maloney, to John Bean, to the owner of the team. I am not beholden to those people. I just want to see the the Flames win games. I want to see them build a team out the right way. You see... This is a, a long process. Ever The Blue Jackets won those playoff series. They won that playoff series against the Lightning. They went to the bubble playoffs and lost the, the following year, and they haven't been back since. The Blackhawks haven't made a playoffs since the bubble playoffs. The Coyotes have not made a playoffs since the bubble playoffs, and before that since, I want to say, 2014 or 2015. This is a four- or five-year commitment to really turn over your roster and just throw as many darts at the board as you can in the draft, in restricted free agency, trading for guys who maybe didn't have a good, didn't do a good job, have a good opportunity or need a different, a different um, location to play better. And that's, that's why these GMs don't be, they aren't proactive. It is why they, they would rather keep doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on the group they already have, because they know what they can get out of the group they have. And they know hey, if this doesn't work out, well, it's not going to be my job to fix this mess. That'll be the next guy's job. So that's kind of why you get these self-interested moves where I'm writing about this right now. I, I got distracted today. I started writing something else, but writing something about the Islanders where it, it doesn't make sense for them to, where it does not make sense for them to look at moving a Brock Nelson, who's got two years left on his deal, who would be the second best player available right now of everybody behind Eric Carlson. Right now, Brock Nelson is one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated players in the entire league, a really talented guy. And that Islanders team, even if everything goes right for them, and I know a lot of their a lot of their assumed improvement next year will just be positive regression because their power play won't be 28th next year just because they have too much talent. Matt Barzell won't miss six weeks. Brock Nelson won't miss a month. Anders Lee won't miss a month. So, like, I understand why Lou Lamorella made all the decisions he did. That That's also a little bit different because Lou is, like, 81 years old, and he doesn't have to worry about what's going to – the league's going to look like seven years from now because if he's still a general manager at 88 years old, he, they're going to be wheeling – they're they're going to be wheeling him out like the like the skull in SpongeBob asking if they're selling <laughs> cho- what are they selling chocolate? Yeah, no, and that's that's a really good way to put it too because a lot of these guys probably approach things like that. Like Tree Living last year, I'm going to lock up like 180 million dollars or whatever in three players, and I'm done. I'm done. These long term contracts, not my problem. No. You can deal with it. 
And that's really what we see. We talked about this yesterday in regards to free agency, where they throw around these deals willy-nilly to be like, hey, boss, look, I did my job. I brought in a guy who does something we don't do well, and that buys you time. It buys you time temporarily. And that's really – that free agency is largely a Band-Aid to kind of be – to cover up a hole, to plug it in, and not really worry about, you know, am I washing this cut out? Is the cut clean? Is it healing healthy? That's really what free agency is for a lot of these guys and why the why it's so important to be proactive. For the last two and a half seasons now, the Flames have just been reacting from one crisis to another. They've had these guys who say, I don't want to be here anymore or just leaving and not get any, anything in return for them. And they're left reeling. So you have to make re- impulsive decisions like, okay, we, well, we're going to get something back for Kachuk. All right, we got to give them both contracts right away as soon as they get here so they can't leave. Oh, we need a replacement in our top six. Nazem Kadri will work. That'll work. He can do that role well enough. And very quickly, you start to see why teams get into trouble in their roster construction because they are reacting to what's going on around them instead of planning it out. Like you think about the counter to that is the teams who realize, okay, we cannot extend this restricted free agent. Let's get something. Like you think about the Lightning getting, I think, a two for Ross Colton. Ross Colton's a useful hockey player. He's solid. Trading him to Colorado, I I don't trust trading with Colorado. Colorado trading for somebody tells me they see something I don't, which is one of the – that's one of the teams that just, if I can, I avoid trading with them at all costs because usually they're going to make you look pretty stupid. They're going to find a way to use you better. But unless the Flames are going to start, you know, okay, Elias, it's great. We made you an offer. You don't want it. Okay, we're trading you. That's it. That, that's the end of the conversation. You cannot wait around for Lindholm to be like, well, I'll come back if you do this or that. Like, you can't put yourself in that position. You just can't. And that's what the Flames have been for too long now. Yeah. And I feel like it. it's all just hinged upon Gaudreau and Kachuk. And they were kind of just hoping that they would ride out the rest of, like, seven, eight years left of their career in Calgary, and they would have something to build upon. But the first domino to fall in that was Sam Bennett essentially being forced out and only getting a prospect in a second for him. And then Gio left. He walked for nothing because he won the expansion draft. And then Monaghan, and then, of course, everything else that's kind of followed that. And that's not the way that they were, quote-unquote, supposed to blow up this core. That wasn't – that was not in the cards. No. Nah. And, and, and that's the other component of this is there's an element of denial involved in this where it's like, oh, we're two years removed from being a 105-point team. We're not that far away from that group. Sure, we've got different faces now, but, again, it, it's flat-out denial. That That's what it is. Last year – Last year was the opportunity because you could have asked the the Panthers for Uyghur and a bunch of first round picks, or you could have traded for Huberto and Uyghur and flipped both of them to other teams that had more cap space. You could have really kickstarted an aggressive rebuild last year, had a ton of financial flexibility. So you could have taken on bad contracts from other teams to get more draft picks. You know how the Coyotes have like a thousand draft picks every year. That's because they're willing to eat everybody's bad contracts. That is how you aggressively restock your organization. You turn your cap space into draft picks. You buy draft picks effectively. Yeah, but, you know, I don't think ownership wants to uh, do that. And it's unfortunate, and I think that's kind of – 
you're truly stuck between a rock and a hard place because you can try to, you know, retool and kind of push the envelope and see how far you can get before you get a phone call saying, what are you doing? This is my team and my money. Cut it out. And there's only so far you can go. And I don't know if play or guys are willing to risk their jobs like that. It, this isn't, <laughs> we're not video game. Like it's not a video game. This is, these are real teams. Oh, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in the next segment, but just there's such a lack of vision in the NHL where nobody wants to take any risks. And it's why we exist in this environment where there's no cap space, middle, mid, very mid players get paid nothing, uh, get paid a little more than they're worth. The stars get paid less than they're worth. And we exist in this weird space where only a handful of teams are really playing the, the player market as well as they possibly can. <clears throat> and everybody else is trying to figure it out. Yeah, and it's it's an unfortunate spot to be in in the sport, and I feel like the Flames shot themselves in the foot so many times last season. And they also didn't know they were shooting themselves in the foot at points, at least. And that's the complicated part where we start getting into, like, intent and, like, morality. And I'll, I'll save it for the next segment. I'll save it for the next segment. <laughs> so coming up next, we are going to talk about vision, intent, long-term planning and looking at things from a wider angle, which is maybe why we both belong in some front offices because these, they, these teams need it. And thank you everyone for hanging out with us today on Locked on Flames. You can follow us both on Twitter at Jess Belmosto and at Nick Zeraris and LO underscore Flames pod. Have you made the jump to threads yet? Uh, I set it up this morning out of curiosity. It's still, um, very kind of uh i'm trying to think of the word everybody's way too nice over there right now yeah. everybody's got like first day of school energy where it's like i'm only following people i know from twitter on there and like the yeah the crossover of the people who follow me on instagram but don't follow me on twitter that i know in the actual world who aren't used to me being like insane all hours of the day <laughs> like there's a lot to unpack over there and Number one, we need a chronological feed. Number yeah. two, I only want to see the accounts of people I follow. That's mm -hmm. the other thing. I do not, uh, right now, and I, somebody already made this joke, so it won't be the first time you hear it. It looks like a social media feed in a video game right now. It looks like a very generic, every single brand is posting a ton right now because all the verified accounts are getting throttled because it's based on a for you at Instagram's for you algorithm. So right now it's kind of not usable. Like I don't see anything I actually want to see on there at the moment, but we're going to make that site just as bad as Twitter. Give me some time. I promise. That, that is a long-term vision here and we will execute it because we know how to get a job done. Do you think, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but who do you think is the most visionary general manager or maybe front office whole organization like as a whole okay so organization i would say the hurricanes yes. the hurricanes are the hurricanes run their hockey team like a hedge fund where they are constantly looking to cut salary take on depreciated assets rehabilitate those assets and then sell them as quick as they can 
the Hurricanes are easily the most aggressive team when it comes to roster construction and maximizing value of guys moving on from restricted free agents. Brett Pesci is a name that's out there as somebody who might be available, might not be, who's only a restricted free agent, who I believe is a year or two away from unrestricted free agency. As far as individual people, I mean, at this point, I'm starting to be very skeptical of it. But I, I, the obvious one is Iserman because everybody's still, you know, the Iser plan. And at this point, the Iser plan is what? The Iser plan is throwing money at David Perron and trading for Alex Nedeljkovic and all of these very like, and I was talking about this with one of my friends yesterday because I was like, do you still think Iserman has a real plan? And she goes, well, I think there was a plan. I just think they didn't get any lottery luck, which has been part of their issue where they've been picking third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and they haven't gotten that, that crazy good player. Like I like Mo Sider a lot. Mm. I like Lucas Raymond a lot. But at this point, they they needed the the Tim Stutzla. They needed the the Kachuk brother. They needed one of those je- those truly special elite players to carry the load. And then it would make sense to bring in a Perron, a Nedeljkovic. Uh, um, why can't I think of his name? Andrew Kopp. The, those types of guys who are solid pieces, but they're not good players on a championship team. They're role players on a championship team. So that would be my answer as far as vision. You could say the Coyotes, maybe, but they actually have to start paying people for that to be the case. Like, other than Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz, they don't really have money tied up in anyone. But that would be the, – the Coyotes are effectively what I am in an NHL franchise when I turn my Xbox on, where I'm just constantly trading players, turning them into draft picks and clearing cap space. That way I don't have any real money tied up. That way when a superstar player does become available, I can throw picks at the wall. That's the that's the only other – that's the caveat I'll give for Eiserman is if they land the Brinkett, which it does seem like it's going to happen at least – that's okay. I don't know if he's good enough where, like, you know, they make a real leap, but he's better than any forward they have on their team currently. And that that would be progress in their plan. For the most part, a lot of these GMs are, are what we were talking about in the last segment. They go, oh, this happened, so we need to do this. Or we lost this player, so we need to replace it with this. Instead of, okay, our team is blank. How far away from are we from being as good as this team? Because that's how... I like to think about these things is when I think about the flames, I go, how far away are they from being Colorado, from being Tampa, from even being Toronto or Florida? You you think about the, the baseline. You need at least two elite players. You probably need one elite defenseman and then at least an average goalie. Do you, where are you on that checklist? And then we can start working down. Do you have a good second line center? Do you have some underpaid guys who can, you can extract excess value from? And that's really that's really where I'm at for me. It's not I want to accumulate good players. It's is this player helping me get closer to being Colorado? Are they yeah. helping me get closer to even being the Kings? The Kings are a team, I would argue. They've been a little aggressive the last few years for players who I don't necessarily are are good enough. Like I think Kevin Fiala is pretty good. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is pretty good. I don't know if either of those guys is a first-line player on a Stanley Cup team. Yeah, no, and I completely agree with you. I don't know if that's really the long-term – I don't know why that's the long-term goal, but um, it happened, and PLD got his eight-year deal, and he can't be – or he can be, I'm sure, uh, be traded again. But, you know, you do have to have these benchmarks in terms of – moving forward rather than backwards because 
just like anything in life, you want to be moving forward. You want to be making those progress in meeting those marks. And I think for the Flames, they they cannot be going off of the idea of we need to be that, what was it, 105-point team. They, yeah. You can't do that. They they have to accept that, that, that that's the past. You need to just focus on securing a wild card spot, getting your goalie back to at least average or just a teeny bit below average if you have to, bringing up Dustin Wolf, integrating these new AHL players. There's a whole different game plan now than there was two years ago and it's a, it's okay to move on from it it's part of the business exactly exactly and that's where we're at there's there's so much posturing and preening and facetiousness amongst all of these organizations with each other where it's like it's like a, an average team being like an average team like the flames being like, well, all we got to do is get in the playoffs. And then if our goalie gets hot and if we get our power play rolling and the more, if you have to have in your run on sentence to be for success, the less realistic you are. That's why the call, the title of the thing I'm writing about the Highlanders is the what if proposition. Well, what if Sorokin plays as a 950 goalie? What yeah. if the power play can score 18% of the time? What if Matt Barzell playing a full season with Bo Horvat does this? And what if Brock Nelson continues to play better as he gets older? The more what ifs you have, the more unlikely something is to happen. And too many of these teams are, are they, they're intoxicated or they're just outright delusional about the what if. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe the one outlier that got lucky with that was Sergei Bobrovsky. Yes, a playoff run because no one, no one had that on their bingo card. You could have hoped for it. I don't think anyone actually thought it was going to happen. No, 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 no. And that's the thing. And that'll be the the justification that these poorly run organizations will use is our goalie was really good a few years ago. All he's got to do is find that form for a few weeks. And sure, it could happen. I'm not planning my entire organization around it. No, you can't. It's irresponsible, no. and you you have to start thinking bigger picture. And yeah. by bigger picture, I don't mean that small postseason run. We're talking multiple-year success, or success doesn't have to be making the playoffs. It can just be reaching different benchmarks. So... That's that's about it, I think, for today's episode. Uh, thank you all so much for hanging out with us. And uh, make sure you're following us wherever you get your podcasts, you're subscribed, have your notifications turned on. Nick, do you have anything you want to uh, end the show with? I can't wait to, to stop recording so I can turn my fan back on and not be melting. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone.